0: Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host Kiandra. I am an eating disorder recovery coach and I have lived experience of recovering from an eating disorder and I want this podcast to be a safe space that you all feel seen and heard and hopefully get some valid information to help guide you on your recovery journey. And I am so, so excited for today's episode because I am joined by Kara, who has um, lived experience of her own eating disorder but is a very, very, very good author as well. She's brought out her own kind of eating sort of journal plus other things in the pipeline. And she also works as a therapist. So she's a busy lady. And we're gonna be talking today about rebuilding identity after an eating disorder or during recovery, because I know from myself, eating disorders are all consuming to some degree and eating sort of becomes your identity for many. And through recovery, you have to rediscover parts of yourself that have been hidden or maybe you don't even know and it's really really scary place but in this conversation I hope that you get some tips and feel less alone in that rebuilding identity is possible. So Kara, hello, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself
1: Hello, so my name is Cara. I um, have lived experience of an eating disorder, primarily anorexia, but also um, sort of interchangeably purging disorder, which is an eating disorder not many people are very aware of and haven't heard of very often. So I had treatment on and off for about 16, 17 years in community and inpatient and day patient. Um, and my sort of most recent journey through treatment in my late 20s was really successful um, and I'm in a very good place with my recovery probably like the best I've ever been and that's meant that lots of exciting opportunities have kind of come out of that so I do a lot of like mental health campaigning particularly around eating disorders but also just mental health in general. I work as a a therapist for children and I'm a mental health nurse by background and I also um, as you mentioned bought a book out last year which is like a, a sort of interactive self-help book for people with eating disorders um, which has now been turned into a series which is really cool.
0: Amazing and I suppose how much do you feel like you're able to share about your personal journey with your eating disorder um, and suppose that led you to the path of recovery Cara?
1: So it started when I was sort of my I'd say probably when I was around about 12 but I got diagnosed when I was about 13-ish but I would say I've always had body image issues from being really small so I can remember being about seven or eight and being really fixated um on what I looked like compared to other children and I think my mum my told me not not that long ago actually which I, I don't remember that I started weighing myself when I was about eight um I obviously didn't really have any concept of what those numbers meant at that age but you know felt this sort of compulsive need to check it I suppose and there was a lot of dieting that went on in my household so there was constantly talk about like weight watchers and points and good foods and bad foods and things so I think from being really young that felt like significant for me when yeah when I was in my sort of early teens was when I got diagnosed And I spent a couple of years in the community sort of getting some outpatient treatment and it was just decided at a point based on my mood being really low and also based on my eating just being all over the place um, that I needed to spend some time in hospital. So I was in hospital for about six months and came out just after my 16th birthday. Uh, I then got referred into adult eating disorder services when I was 17 and, um, said I didn't want to go because I was very much in that sort of headspace of like, I don't feel like I'm sick enough to deserve going into this service. So declined it, potters along for a couple of years doing all right, but, you know, could have been better. Uh, and then sort of fell off a bit of a cliff again when I was about 20, 21. And that's when I first went into the adult eating disorder service. And then I was in and out of there for, about 10 years on and off with really long gaps of wellness in between but when I look back in hindsight I'm like I probably wasn't actually as well as maybe I thought I was now that I am in such a good place I can kind of look back and think oh maybe yeah maybe there was probably room for improvement and one of the reasons I think I probably did have a lot of relapses is because I maybe didn't get to a place of wellness like I have done now if that makes sense
0: Definitely, and and I think you you mentioned that your last kind of bout of treatment was the most successful. What what stood out for you that made it the
1: most successful? Well, it was really intensive. So I had a like a day patient uh, admission. I don't know if you'd call it an admission, but you know, a, an episode of day day patient treatment. Um, so it was kind of once I'd had my assessment, they responded very quickly because things have deteriorated really really fast and that hasn't always been the case historically um so it was a a sort of toss-up of between do we try day patient or actually do we need hospital again and I really really didn't want to do that um so I agreed to wait and sort of try and put the brakes on as much as I could um in order to be in a place where I could go into the day patient program and it was just brilliant I couldn't fault anything about it the staff were amazing like there was loads of like therapeutic groups, but about loads of different stuff. So there was one that was really good that was run by the dietitian, And it was all about um, sort of myth busting around food and like just facts about food and like the science behind eating and metabolism and stuff. And that was really cool because it wasn't really about any of the like emotion and the feelings or anything, which are obviously really good to be paying attention to. But it was just sort of like, this is the facts about food, no matter what your brain tells you. This is what the facts are. And it was really hard to kind of let my eating sort of trick me when I could kind of see it in black and white like that. So that was actually like a really effective group. And then there was lots around like recovery and motivation and body image and things like that, which were really good. um And then my case manager, when it kind of came to the end of that, was when we started doing one to one therapy. So they kind of just said, you're not really well enough to do therapy at the moment. So um, let's kind of put, the brakes on for that and then when I kind of was a place where like I was physically in a much better place that's when we started therapy um and then I did therapy for a year after that and I think there's I hear so many people from so many different services that it's like as soon as you hit a healthy weight you're kind of you're done and you're out the service but for me I didn't even start therapy until I was nearly a healthy weight um so I think it meant that my brain was just in a much better place to be able to like absorb all that treatment and what was going on and and in a place where I was sort of healthy enough to be able to put the work in myself as well, because therapy is really hard um, and it's a very two-sided process. And um, I think my side this time, I probably worked harder than the other times that I have before, but that's definitely paid off because I'm also in a much better place than I've been before. Um, So there's a lot of factors really. I think one was the like intensity of the treatment was you know kind of very much what I needed like outpatient just wouldn't have been enough I don't think but also the way that they kind of structured it was really based on like my mental health and not my physical health as such it, it very much wasn't you know once we've got you to the weight you're supposed to be at that's when your treatment ends it was almost like that's when it starts um and not, not enough uh, places have that I don't think
0: You know, I always say it's like postcode lottery to some degree
1: yeah absolutely you know
0: that you know certain services are really really good and others are really not so you know fingers crossed that more places allow you know people to get therapy for however mm-hmm. long they need it wait wait not dependent um, yeah so yeah thank you for thank you for sharing it It sounds like a very long road, but you know and I, I'm sure that with anything with life there's always extra bits that added onto this journey so I'm sure that there's work to be done because I think there's always work with every human yeah you know to get to you know the pinnacle of potential hope and best I mean that's my view as we will continue evolving for the rest of our lives but it sounds like you're in a really much better place yeah so obviously yeah. we're talking around identity which I'm sure the eating disorder has, you know, impacted and become intertwined with with your identity in this journey. So how do you feel like your eating disorder, plus whatever else you were dealing with at the time, how did it affect your sense
1: of self and your identity? I think for me, because it was something that started when I was quite young, I almost, I kind of grew up with it. So I didn't really know life without it so that was something that was really difficult um to overcome because it's always been something that people have known about me for various reasons either because it's been physically very obvious or because I don't know like for example I'm I i did not do year 11 because I was in hospital and like most recently I was off work for six months so like there were reasons that people around me knew about it and I think the more people knew the harder it was for me to kind of separate myself from it because I was almost like I can't be well because people don't expect me to be well if that makes sense so you know it's kind of like people expect me to be someone with an eating disorder so I have to be that person because otherwise I don't know I kind of felt like I was making it up otherwise or like people would think I was yeah. making it up if I didn't kind of fulfill that expectation that I think people had of me so it was really difficult for lots of reasons um one of which I think because it was such a sort of public journey um, made it harder I think in some ways but a part I think a lot of it as well was just because it was's been there ever since I can remember so it's really hard for me to kind of work out what's me and what's what's anorexia and like how which parts of my personality would be there anyway or which parts of those are there because I've been unwell or because I have Newton an disorder and that that's been still an ongoing journey I think probably figuring that out but it's definitely getting easier with time
0: yeah and I suppose it's what parts of you know your personality did you have a hard time deciphering whether it was just you or anorexia if if you're comfortable sharing
1: so a lot of the stuff I've, I'm very much like a bit of just a sort of stereotype of someone that would have anorexia and I'm really aware of that when I'm doing lots of like campaigning and um and yeah sharing my journey and stuff is like I'm Um, there's not really anything about my like personality type or my story or anything that's like surprising almost um or that would be unusual from what someone would typically expect someone with anorexia to to be like or to look like but um i think the main things for me was around the biggest ones around like perfectionism um having like really black and white thinking and being really sort of like achievement driven um and those things i think are probably just naturally part of who I am, but they become really magnified when I'm not very well. And I think what I've learned more recently is, like, it's okay for me to have those personality traits, but I just need to channel them in a different direction to the way that I've previously been doing that. And I don't necessarily get the same immediate sense of gratification by channeling them in a different way than I would for, like, you know, doing something like losing weight or or something like that where you do get that sort of like you get that immediate sense of achievement which disappears almost as soon as it arrives doesn't it but you do get it very quickly and whereas now I am trying to focus on what achievement means and maybe what it looks like in a sort of less tangible way and I don't get that same sort of like immediate gratification but I get much more long-term gratification from from it so I think yeah probably mainly sort of like perfectionism and that sort of drive for achievement are things that have been very linked with my anorexia previously
0: I don't think to some degree eating disorders don't change intrinsically who we are Mm. inside because that's impossible however it magnifies qualities potentially you know about oneself that are less favorable that would be my kind of View of it, and you know like we all have parts of our personality. every human has parts of their personality that are potentially more elevated when they are highly stressed or mm-hmm. even undernourished under you know without sleep or you know, and that's what an eating disorder does it kind of it removes all kind of human fundamental basic needs, you know it's basically yeah. not giving your body what it needs, hence our unfavorable personality traits come out and bite its son. On the bum, really. Um so I think you're right is actually, you know, personality-wise, it's not saying that you anorexia is a personality, but it definitely it highlights parts of oneself that is highly critical, that is Mm -hmm. even rigid and obsessive, because that's what an undernourished brain, you know, shows and portrays. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: So Obviously, you know, you've mentioned that it's been a it's been a long journey and different things have worked and others have not, but you know, rebuilding your identity is a big part of that journey. So what first steps did you take to suppose detach yourself from that eating disorder identity to some degree and rediscover who you really are or who Kara
1: really is? So there was a few things. So I started doing more stuff, um, which sounds really obvious, but I wasn't really doing anything before because all I was doing was, you know, eating disorder-related behaviours that just took up my whole day. Um, or then I obviously went into treatment and then I was just going to treatment every day, do all my meals and then come home and go to bed and stuff. So um, I almost didn't have time to really do anything nice. Um, so I started just doing really simple things. Like I was also finding it really difficult to concentrate and to sit still and stuff like that. So I just started doing things like watching a movie. I do a lot of like cross stitch and embroidery and stuff like that. And I, and, um, like journaling, I did a lot of, and like coloring books and just like, you know, nice sort of gentle, creative things. Um, that meant that it was something that I could sit still and like focus on. And that was really important to me because, I've always been like a very sort of creative person and always really enjoyed like arts and crafts and stuff like that. And actually being able to sit down and do that was a big milestone in terms of having the concentration and the sort of willpower to get myself to sort of sit and do something like that but also helped me kind of connect back to that part of myself again because that almost just completely disappeared because I just didn't have the brain space to be creative about anything and that was really nice to sort of connect me back to that part of myself which I've always had I've always been someone who's been really into you know stuff like that and the other thing I did with my therapist is because I am such a sort of goal-driven person, um, we kind of lent into that. And rather than saying you shouldn't be doing that, we just like, let's set you some really healthy goals that are gonna help you reconnect to things that are important to you. So I did like a couple of short term ones, um, and like a sort of medium term one and then like a long term one. Um, and thinking about why are those things important to you and how do they sort of connect to your values. And we did a lot of stuff about like what are your values at the moment and How closely are you sort of living by those? And I kind of recognise that all the things that are really important to me, like my relationship, my job, my education, my friends, like my health, all these things... None of those were compatible with having anorexia. So I either had to choose that and give up all these other things or I had to just give up anorexia and then allow all these other sort of things into my life. So it was a lot of work around thinking like, what is important to me and how do I start incorporating that back in? So we did, yeah, some goal setting around. So there was, I had one about wanting to get back to horse riding, which was my sort of shorter term one. And then I had one about going on like a weekend away with my boyfriend and then I had my long-term ones which were one was about traveling and the other one was about going back to university and I've done both of those things now so I've done the short and the medium and the long-term ones now Um, but because my sort of career and my education and stuff has always been quite a big part of my identity like when you become a nurse like it is you know that is something that is quite Significant for a lot of people, I think, as as sort of like a professional identity, and going back to work was really important for sort of fulfilling that for me again as well. So I just kind of pulled things from all these different areas of my life and just tried to like incorporate them back in.
0: Definitely, I do this with um, coaching clients quite a lot. Is actually look at smart goals. So actually mm. thinking, what does recovery look like? And it's all well and good saying I want to be recovered so I can be back to my normal self or self without an eating disorder but it's actually like what's going to help you get there and Mm. actually having something tangible can really give you that kind of momentum to go forward
1: yeah and also like like you just said thinking about like I want to just get back to myself without an eating disorder but having to actually break that down and think what would that look like and then once you've broken that down you can think oh it looks like somebody who I don't know out with their friends every weekend and stuff and that's when you can start thinking okay well that's what I want to be able to do within the next six weeks or whatever feels like a good time frame.
0: Definitely I suppose during your recovery what were some of the biggest challenges you faced doing all of that you know and reshaping your identity I suppose you know also maybe what are some triumphs or
1: you know on the flip side? So this is kind of both I suppose but going back to work was really difficult because I was out of work for just over six months which is the longest time I've ever not been at work for since I was 17 something like that um so even when I've had treatment for my eating disorder before I was it was on an outpatient basis as an adult so I was still able to work and stuff um I did take time out of education but never I've never taken that length of time out of work before so that was it was a really big triumph going back, and it was important. But it was also probably one of the most difficult things because I was very conscious of the fact that I looked very different compared to the time the people had last seen me. I didn't know what people's expectations were going to be of me coming back, and I was very conscious of like, are people going to be watching me? Um, am I going to be able to kind of do the things I need to do to keep myself well? Because like I worked in uh, like a crisis team at the time, so I was very. I didn't know what I was doing that day until I turned up in the morning and it was very hectic and it's very hard to um, fit sort of like a stable eating routine around something like that when you don't know where you're going to be from sort of one hour to the next which is one of the reasons I I left that job in the end because it just wasn't compatible long term with, with recovery but that was really difficult. It was it was important in terms of sort of expanding my identity again as, like, somebody who, oh, I'm a nurse, I go to work, this is my job. But it was very, very hard kind of going back and facing people I hadn't seen for six, seven months um, and not, re- you know, being very conscious that I, I looked very different and that I wasn't really sure what they were thinking about me.
0: Definitely. I think other people's judgment or fear of other people's judgment can hold one back for a long time. And I think that's, you know, why a lot of people are like, well, I can't do this because what will people think of me? Yeah. And actually, it's about people are going to hold a judgment no matter what behavior you do. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we are all creatures of comparison, you know, it's biologically yeah. like imprinted in us. So yes. it's kind of thinking, well, if they're going to, oh, I suppose, judge me or have an opinion of me, <laughs> why not be well? And why not do the things that actually are going to make me live a, a happier life? Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's my view of it.
1: Yeah, me too. Definitely. I think, um, yeah, the things that felt the most difficult were the things that I hadn't done for a long time. Um, so uh, I was still in pretty frequent contact with like my friends and family through that time. So that wasn't quite. Doing stuff like going out to eat with them was hard, but doing stuff like, oh, I'm going to go see my friends, that wasn't so scary because I'd already been seeing them quite a lot, but it was more the stuff that I'd had a break from that felt really difficult to kind of go, yeah, go back into. For sure,
0: the working the working world. And I think it's harder as an adult, you know, if anyone's listening who is in education and uh, et cetera, I know it's still very, very hard. But I think as an adult, there is a certain extra set of expectations that you should maintain a well identity because mm. that's what an adult should do and I think actually being you know feeling like oh well what are they going to think of me do they think I'm less of an adult I yeah. don't know if that's that felt, felt the case for for you at any point
1: yeah and I definitely kind of held that standard to myself as well which is really unreasonable and I know that looking back because I would never I would never think of somebody else like you're too old to have an eating disorder or you should have got better by now or whatever. Like that would never even cross my mind. But I really held that sort of thought really strongly about myself. And when I went into day patient, I remember saying to them, I'm gonna be the oldest one there. And I was twenty I was twenty-nine at the time. And I was really conscious of the fact that I was like, I'm nearly thirty, um, and I'm gonna be the oldest person there. And when I got in there, the oldest person there was seventy-seven. Um, and it really shocked me because I was just like oh it was it was therapeutic in a way because I was just sort of like that is not going to be me like this is this is my last time doing this now I can't be doing this again in another sort of 40 odd years if I live that long you know for that for, to get to that point but kind of helped me to put it in perspective I suppose that you know we're all on our own time scales on our own journeys and there's no um sort of set date when you're supposed to be better by because it just doesn't work like that does it and I did I didn't know that but I think I was yeah that was kind of getting overshadowed by I suppose this expectation of you know you should be you should be better by now you shouldn't still be doing this and
0: I think in in some respect that, that also relates to kind of like that self compassion element where maybe those kind of that that expectation you had to yourself wasn't that wasn't very compassionate yeah. And I suppose how did you then develop self-compassion and learn to treat yourself with more
1: love and kindness? Do you know what I don't really know the answer to that a lot of it did come through like therapeutic work I think but I think a lot of it came from just sort of trying to educate myself like externally from therapy about um why why I suppose it's important to be nice to yourself and what benefits that has on your mental health and your physical health and things like that as well and i think although i'm not in a place where i feel massively like comfortable with my weight um because i've been kind to myself and and not said you know you have to stop at this number you've been given um and that's the end or you're not allowed to go over a certain point i've just said i'm just going to do what i need to do and my body'll do what it does um and that's you know that's the way to kind of I guess to show my body some respect is to finally just let it do what it needs to do um and the more I did that the easier it felt to be nice to myself um and Mm. I think uh, I'm I suppose I'm very fortunate in that I have a lot of very positive relationships in my life where other people are very nice to me so um it was almost just kind of like extending that a bit more from my you know from myself to myself rather than an expectation that it should always come from other people Uh, but I think because people around me are very nice to me I have a lot of had a lot of inspiration I suppose from them about you know how I could be more kind to myself and why it's important to do that but it's a journey and like I definitely don't think that's something that you can kind of pick up and start doing overnight like I'm not always nice to myself now but I'm probably the nicest to myself that I've ever been and my life is much better for it
0: Definitely and and I'd say that for myself you know I'm a human as well I have days where I'm not as nice as I know I can be to myself Mm -hmm. and I think it's I don't know for for myself it doesn't come out as it used to with anorexia in the respect that it's not that behavioral it's more about maybe I'm overworking or maybe Mm -hmm. I'm spending less time with my loved ones or maybe um I'm just being a bit more overly critical to my behavior. And I think it has a way to manifest itself. And that's, to me, a degree of how also how well you are. Because in in an undernourished brain, you'll have a susceptibility. Unkindness is using anorexia behaviors a lot of the time and self-critical self-image thoughts. And I think what I recognize now is if I'm having a bad day and I'm self-critical, it's more about generalistic life stuff which yeah. still isn't right but it's better than if i was you know and if one was using an eating disorder i, I mm. don't know if that that feels like same for you
1: yeah no i do i know exercise. what you mean i did a, uh i did a thing in therapy where my therapist asked me to um ask people around me for like three words they would use to describe me and some of the answers were so surprising to me and that was a really nice like self-esteem exercise because i was kind of like oh, like, there's all these things that people, like, value about me that I didn't even maybe recognise that I was, like, putting out into the world or um, things that I didn't necessarily see as being, like, very significant or important, that kind of – that made it easier to be nice to myself, I think, because I was like, oh, actually – because I always kind of felt when I was, you know, um, wow, I just got – like, I don't really – I'm actively choosing to not be nice to myself because I don't deserve to be nice to myself. So it wasn't just like a side effect of anorexia. It was almost like a very conscious choice that I was making. Um, And now it's still a conscious choice I make, but the other way. So like I am actively choosing to be kind to myself, but it doesn't feel like it's a hard thing to do every day. Like I don't wake up and think, oh, I need to put all this effort into being nice to myself because mostly it kind of comes a lot more naturally now.
0: Definitely and I suppose that you, you've mentioned a couple of bits about supportive relationships but have your relationships always been positive during recovery journey and I suppose how did I suppose how did they evolve and how did they contribute to the recovery process?
1: They became just a lot like richer I suppose like for a really long time I was so preoccupied all the time. It's really hard to be like an equal participant in a relationship when you're only you've only sort of got one foot in it. Um and I always felt like I was never I was never fully present in a conversation. I was always thinking about something else or distracted or you know either just because my concentration was bad but more likely because I was doing maths in my head and being really fixated on my body and thinking about what I was going to eat next and and things like that. Um I just I just very rarely was someone who was kind of present in conversations and relationships and I think one thing that like my friends in particular really noticed is that um, I just wasn't happy and I think as much as they were that my friends were amazing and they've kind of always stuck by me regardless but it's really hard to want to socialize with somebody who's always unhappy like that it just is isn't it um, when you know we're naturally a group of like very happy and chatty and outgoing people um it's very noticeable if one of you suddenly isn't like that anymore so I think I think I was probably quite difficult to be around and nobody made me feel that way but I was very conscious that that's probably what people's experience was with me um and all those relationships I think I had a lot of relationships that felt quite superficial I suppose just because I wasn't very invested in the relationship because I was so you know in my own head about other stuff those relationships all got significantly better one because I was more present in them but two we were was able to do a lot more things so like I've been on like lots of holidays and been away with my friends and like when you have relationships with people like that part of it is making memories together isn't it and having new experiences and things like that and I wasn't really getting to do any of that so that's kind of made me a lot closer with people as well as getting to sort of have all these experiences and like memories and things with them that I was missing out on before
0: definitely like you're an equal player in the, mm. in the relationship I think like anything relationships should be balanced and that's in friendships romantic relationships family and it is hard when you're in kind of in a relationship with the eating disorder to yeah. some degree kind of you know you would say you would be a very very loyal partner to the eating disorder but anyone else can you know close the door to some degree yeah. as we kind of draw a close on this conversation you know for those who are currently in recovery and whether that's start of the journey middle of the road or you know near in the end what what advice would you give to someone who is struggling to rebuild their identity and find who
1: they truly are so I did some work around like what things were important to me when I was little and are any of those things you know, still things that are likely to be important to me now, because obviously, I, you know, I might not like the same stuff I liked when I was five, but I have always liked horses for like my whole life. And that kind of stood out to me as something that actually, that's probably like a key part of who I am, my identity is something that I want to kind of incorporate into my life. And also thinking about who do I want to be in the future? And what do I need to do to make that happen? Um And, you know, I am someone who I would think, naturally is someone who is you know quite creative and spontaneous and quite independent and I wasn't able to be any of those things when I was unwell and um, so I, I wanted to think about how do I what what is my identity going to be in the future and how do I kind of get it there and a lot of that was around sort of figuring out my values as well so I'd really recommend spending some time going through and thinking about yeah what do I value in my life and how can I make those values more present, I suppose. So um, for me, like one of my big ones was around education and it meant that I wanted to go back to university and do my therapy training, which I did do in the end later than I was expecting to because I got a a relapse that sort of pushed it back. But figuring out what my values were meant that I could then start putting steps into place of how they were going to kind of become part of my life again. That was like a really core thing for me. Um, And I would say, yeah, maybe like goal setting is really important. If you are someone like me, who is quite sort of um, driven and like achievement focused, it can be really helpful to do that. But what I would say is one thing that I did a lot of work in therapy around is that an achievement doesn't have to be a tangible thing. So for me, it was always like, It's the grade, it's the certificate, it's the promotion or whatever. And then we did a lot of work around how actually it's an achievement to be in like a healthy relationship and to be well enough to go traveling and to be able to sit down and watch a film and things that for me, they they always had just had to be like a big trophy at the end. And um, I'd really recommend re refocusing i suppose what an achievement looks like because that's made my life a lot less yeah. stressful um having that yeah sort of reframing what that might be it's fascinating you say that i think
0: for my own journey it's definitely not been uh something i kind of logically thought was reframing achievement but i think naturally it's happened and i'm like for me it's an achievement to be in a recovered state yeah. rather than like I used to always think oh anorexia is an achievement like it's an achievement to be you know have the illness but actually like I started to reframe that and that would be my thing is actually like actually recovery is just as hard if not harder so why don't I strive to that mm. and you know that reframe was re- really helpful for me because yes it wasn't tangible because what was recovery yeah you know recovery isn't a thing it isn't a certificate I mean gotta hope we should all get certificates and, and <laughs> yeah. trophies at the end of it yeah but it's not unfortunately and and think it was about actually anorexia also isn't tangible to some degree because mm. it's a a marker that is constantly moving you know for wherever you are it's all different things and you can do this and do that well actually recovery is exactly the same can I learn a new hobby can I and go out for a meal can I buy my favorite pastry or etc yeah. etc so actually it's seeing achievements as small tangible things as well so that would be my taker of how I kind of did it is actually like set myself small little goals like you said but actually some of them could be very much like worldwide view of not something you could put your hands on but other things kind of
1: were and, yeah and that was also okay Yeah, we did uh, did a thing where I had to do, uh, like, every week write down, like, what my achievements of the week had been. At least Mm -hmm. one of them always had to be not specifically eating disorder related. So um, I would say, like, I don't know, my achievement was I ate a snack, I haven't eaten for a while or whatever, but another one might be um, I wrote a new blog post or I wrapped some presents up for a friend or something like that um, just to really recognize that I was starting to build my life up again and it was really important to recognize those sort of external things as well so that everything didn't always have to be about anorexia all the time.
0: For sure and I think I also find within client sessions as somebody is moving towards maybe their recovery and nearing the end of maybe coaching whatever is actually um, conversations start to shift from purely anorexia talk or eating disorder talk to actually quite worldwide problems like I get a lot mm. of dating stories and it's, yeah. but it's nice that they have the headspace to be worried about dating rather than our oh, dating's not got a place in my life and I think you know I'm just using a very small example here but you know actually shifting you know shifting worries to some degree is quite, yeah. quite healthy and going oh it's normal life stuff that one is worried about. Yeah.
1: One Um, of my last um, therapy sessions was around when I'd just gone back to uni um, and I wanted to talk to him about something that I um, was worried about at uni. And I remember us both being like, you weren't even at work like a year ago. um, And all your worries were around literally like getting through the next hour almost. And now we're talking about this like completely different independent problem um, and that was, like, a really nice reflection, like you just said, of kind of just being like, oh, there's a world that kind of exists outside of that now that I've kind of got through the worst part of it.
0: For sure, for sure. And I think, you know, everything you've said is just, like, it's definitely struck a chord with me, and I'm sure it will with the listeners. So I suppose what's a closing closing word or sentence that you have for for the listeners that might, that might stick with them?
1: I suppose what? What really has helped me is to recognize that an eating disorder is an illness and it's not an identity and I existed before it and I can exist after it and even though it feels really difficult there is always a you that's underneath it somewhere it's just the work to kind of dig under and kind of find out who that is and it might not be that you are the same person you were before you got ill it might be that you have to recreate some parts and rediscover or discover new things about yourself and that's okay um but yeah it's not it's not a permanent state of being and there is a you under there that you need to you know just kind of keep going to to unearth
0: and I think for me it's you will also not be the person you were before the eating disorder Mm. and and it's very being very clear and and kind of accepting of that because we all change as humans throughout our lives and we can never go backwards. So I, I hear a lot of people, and I think for myself, it was like, what if I go back to the person I used to be? Whereas actually you will not go back to the person you used to be unless you're Benjamin Button and can go backwards in time. You know, it's a constant journey forward. And also mm-hmm. your eating disorder will have shown parts of you that actually to some degree, will make you a round, more rounded person because yeah. when you go through something hard and get through it, you have a lot of se- strength and self-determination and that will be a part of your identity and personality, Like kind of like that warrior identity to some degree. Yeah. So it's remembering that you will never go back to the person you used to be. There will be elements of who you used to be, but you will be a a new, evolved version of you. So that that would be my my yeah. kind of take on it
1: yeah I agree for sure
0: so how do people find you Cara how how would they kind of find
1: out what about about what you do um so I'm on Twitter and Instagram my handles is Lizette which is just my name my blog Cara's Corner you can just google that and I'll be the first one that comes up and that's um there's a lot on there so it's kind of been my journey pre-being Well, most recently, pre relapse, all through that and then all sort of coming out the other side of it. Um so I don't post on that as often as I used to, but usually about once a month or so. And then my book, The Eating Disorder Recovery Journal, you can just search for that on Google and it'll pop up. It's available on Amazon and like online in sort of all major bookstores.
0: Amazing, amazing. And I'll leave everything for the listeners so they they can find that um if they if they want to check that out. And I really, really recommend her eating sort of recovery journal. Um, I recommend it to a lot of people. So yeah, I would go and check that out. And as always, if you did like this episode, please make sure to give it a review so I can keep doing what I do. Um, and please get in touch if you have any, you know, topics you want um kind of answered on the show, or just if you have any concerns. I'm always happy to get back to you when I can. Um, but for now Cara thank you so much for being on and yeah I hope you have a lovely rest of your evening thanks for having me